Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Pick and Play podcast, where today we are going to do a little NFL. We're going to talk about the Stafford trade, but then we're going to turn our undivided attention to the NBA and break that all down. And to do all of this analysis and to give a little flavor. Leo, how you doing? My boy, I, I miss talking some shit with you, man. I know. I, I missed it. I, I've been over here watching sports, but I got no one to feed my takes to. And and here we are. I moved, so we kind of had to go down for a little bit. Uh, we are getting it back up. We are going to continually, this product will get bigger, better, stronger, faster. Um as we slowly migrate just from a platform perspective onto a website um and we are at you know as of now we're, we're kind of we're in the middle of the nba season the nfl season's got one left and we are going to have a big nfl pod for you later in the week uh but let's just talk about what's hot right now in the nfl the the one thing is the matthew stafford trade and i want to get i, I want to get your perspective a little bit on this i want to start this out a little bit i, I don't want to say this is going to be hot takey because i don't think it is hot takey um but i do want to do a little uh how you say i'm going to give you player a and player b okay okay i'm going to take the last four years you tell me which one of the qbs you would rather have all right oh God. Okay. Qu- quarterback one this quarterback uh, completion percentage per year from 2016 to 2020. This is obviously, I'm not going to go into total games. We're just going to say when they play. 65% completion per, uh, percentage per year, 3,800 yards thrown per year, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Okay, so basically two to one. The other player, player two, 67% completion. 4,200 yards a year, 28 touchdowns, 10.8 picks. So roughly three to one on that. Who would you rather have just from, and these are the most arbitrary basic quarterback stats you can find. Yards, Uh, touchdowns, pick. Number one. I'm sick to my stomach because I'm going to have to go (laughs) with number two, and I'm going to assume that you're going to tell me that number two is Jared Goff. Number two is Kirk Cousins. Oh, Number one is Matt Stafford. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I would take number two's numbers over number one. So uh, I, I'm taking Cousins. Now, a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, he's been in Minnesota, and he he has his weapons. Well, you know, two of those years that I'm pulling from, he went eight and seven and seven and nine with the Washington football team. So this isn't necessarily a, oh, they've been on a good team. Uh, and for reference, those two years on Washington, uh, Kirk Cousins put up almost 5,000 yards one of the years, and he put up 4,090 in the other. Um, and one thing I want to really break down on this Matthew Stafford trait is understanding exactly what you're getting with Matt Stafford. You, you're getting essentially a Kirk Cousins. You're getting that you're getting an Alex Smith, to, to, to be frank. Like, that's what you're getting. Maybe uh, Alex Smith's more of a game manager, where Kirk Cousins, uh, Matthew Stafford, you actually feel maybe Matthew Stafford can uh, push the ball downfield better. Do I believe Matthew Stafford will have a better year this year than in terms of how he looks and his numbers than previous any of his 10 other NFL career seasons? Uh, possibly. 
But they, the Rams really, really, at the end of the day, gave up all these picks to get off of Jared Goff's contract. Not to get Matt Stafford, but a first rounder out of those picks really just went to getting rid of Jared Goff's fucking contract. So really what you're doing is trading $200 million plus three picks to get Matthew Stafford. So it's an interesting trade. How do you feel about this? I had speculated that I wanted Stafford in uh, San Francisco. He's going to go to the Rams. That does the same thing for me. I think this is going this is an uptick for the Rams. But this is an interesting look. You're not getting a superstar quarterback. You're not. You're getting a Kirk Cousins in replace of Jared Goff. Yeah, but I think if, if you, I mean, if you're looking at it that way, you have to consider Kirk Cousins a considerable upgrade from Jared Goff. At least I do. I do too. Um, I, I'm not a Jared, never been a Jared Goff guy. The day he was drafted, I was staring at my TV like, why? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'd like this move for the Rams because I think that Stafford can do a lot more with the deep ball than what Jared Goff can do. And I think that Stafford might be a little more of a victim of his situation than some other people because when was the last time that the Lions had a dominant run game? Never. When was the last time the Lions had a you know a, an offensive coach that you wanted on your team? Yeah. You know, and, and Stafford's been kind of holding water despite the crap that's been around him. I mean, his best weapon in the last couple of years has been with Kenny Galladay, who missed this whole last season. Yeah, so Marvin Jones. I, I think that the Rams can do a lot with Stafford. I think Stafford's talented, and when you put the right pieces around him, and I don't think he's had the right pieces around him since his career started, I think he might be able to do. He might be able to make some things shake in LA. I actually think that the Detroit Lions have put a pretty decent job together around the uh, offensive skill positions minus running back. Um, they do have, they did have people like Golden Tate for a part of his career. There was Calvin Johnson, so they have had some Hall of Fame talent around him. Um, even right now, they they have you know they've always had a tight end that kind of can get gritty and do things. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson is who it is now, um, but but I don't think they've completely failed in terms of putting weapons around him, putting a system around him. They've completely bamboozled that. Putting a team around him that doesn't require him to win every game, they have not done that. Um, so you're right. I think we could see Matt Stafford's best yet. Um, I think it's very interesting that in reality, a lot of people are talking like Matthew Stafford now is a Hall of Fame-bound quarterback. That is just not true. That's not who he is. Could he put together a Super Bowl win? Sure, Goff went to a Super Bowl. Jimmy G went to a Super Bowl. We both feel that those guys are inadequate. Um, I think when you take a step back, though, and you really look at what the Rams gave up, they really paid a first-round pick to take Jared Goff's money. And then they kind of gave up. And when you think about it, that first-round pick that they're, you know, it's not next year's first. It's after that, right? It's 2022, 2023. So um, when when you look at it that way, if the Rams are in the playoffs, that's almost, it's going to be like four or five picks away, maybe six picks away from the second round. So there's really, when we think of a first round pick, we almost need to start looking at the NBA and the NFL in a similar way. When it comes to the NBA, how many picks are worth a shit? Five? Mm, six? In a good draft, maybe like ten. Right. 
Okay, yeah, and then normally you have your lottery picks, lottery protected, top five, lottery protected, right, our superstars. The NFL doesn't really work that way. You can get your superstars in the second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. Tom Brady, seventh round, obviously an anomaly, but just saying, right, it exists. So big. And in the NFL, you really need to go, okay, look, if we don't have one of the top five to ten picks, who gives a shit if it's 26 or 38? We're... It's a 50-50 shot anyway. I think that from a Rams perspective, they're entirely right undervaluing first-round picks. I think everyone else overvaluates them. Um, just to walk through these first-round picks over the last couple years, right? Um, in, 20, in the 2019 NFL draft, we had five players that have reached a Pro Bowl out of that first-round draft. Five, just five. Um, Josh Jacobs, a running back. Uh, TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions. We already talked about how they have actually put weapons around him from past perspective. Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah. Josh. Yeah, I know. Uh, Josh Allen on the Jaguars, not the quarterback. Uh, Nick Bosa, who's been hurt, and Kyler Murray. That's 2019. 2020, there's only two. Justin Jefferson, Chase Young. So uh, one thing to keep in mind when you're trading these first-round picks you 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 really aren't trading necessarily someone that is going to produce. I'm going to pull a couple random names out of here. Um, there are Tristan Wirfs from the Tampa Bay Bucks. That guy looks like he'll be something. That's a value. That's a very value guy. Um, Jerry Judy, AJ Terrell, Austin Jackson, Demon Arnett, uh, Clavon Chasen, uh, <laughs> Jalen Rager. Caesar Ruiz, Brandon Ayuk, Jordan Love, Jordan Brooks, uh, Isaiah Wilson. These are these are the first round picks you get at the end of the draft. Do, did any of them even get their name brought up during the regular season? That's what you're trading. Ayuk uh, I, I, had a different uh, or a Ayuk uh, year rather, but the rest of them. Eh. And Ayuk got brought up more for the way that Kyle Shanahan used him and the excitement around Kyle Shanahan using him. Um, then, then really, I think uh, anything else. Um, he had sixty receptions for seven hundred yards, which is which is nice. That's nice, but that's the type of player you're giving up in the in in that second round. No one on there is a surefire. Here's a great one, number thirty-two, the last pick in the first round with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. If you were a team, you could take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Anyone can replace that type of caliber player. You just can. So when you're trading a low first-round pick, I think people need to get off the idea that, oh, my God, these first-rounders. No, 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 no. The top half of the draft, you must hold on to. The bottom this half? This is random, but De DeAndre Swift, he was a second-round pick, right? DeAndre Swift. Yes, Detroit Lions, running back. Yeah. Yeah, the Chiefs should have picked him. Right. Or uh, J.K. Dobbins, um, you know, who looks great. Just any of these guys that went in the second. And what I mean is the first-round picks, when you're in the back half, that's completely overrated. They're just completely overrated. I would much rather someone trade that low first-round pick and turn around and land, um, you know, a Matt Stafford. So they're trading two first to get rid of that contract from golf and end up with the third everyone thought they would fall apart when they got when they traded for Jalen Ramsey. Remember? And here we want to talk about what did Ramsey go for? Two firsts, right? So Yeah, it was a couple firsts. So you went 
Jalen Ramsey for the same price as Matthew Stafford plus a third minus two hundred and twenty million in cap space. I I think that, I like the deal for the Rams. I love the deal for the Rams. I actually think this is a crazy deal for the Rams. They're also going to put it behind a decent O line. So we'll move off that. Just some touching points. I think the Rams win unequivocally. I think Detroit's trying to build a football team, and they need to put pieces around. Detroit's going to be very bad next year. I mean, very bad. I I was laughing and picking against them when Stafford started getting hurt. I think that's just going to continue. All right. Let's flip into the NBA now. And with the NBA, the season is in turmoil. Like we said, COVID is moving around a lot of games. COVID is moving around a lot. We're seeing inconsistent lineups. We said it was it was important for teams to get wins early on because we don't know what it's going to look like down the stretch and how many games they're going to play. And what we're seeing so far is that shake out. And we're seeing a lot of this growth from these teams uh, that, are, that are popping up and becoming, uh, I, I wouldn't say contenders, but they're now playoff teams. And that's being driven in part by these young rookies, not even rookies, but I'm going to call anyone who has been drafted in the last three years kind of in that rookie realm, right? Um, so let's right. take... Yeah, the young folks. Let's take a look back at the 2018 draft, 2019 drafts, and kind of where they are now. And I'm going to run through some names. You tell me what you feel like they've contributed to the teams. Is this someone you feel like is going to be a rotation person, could still be a superstar, or you think maybe their time's passed? So let's run okay. through. Let's run through. Uh, and let's start with the 2018 draft. Now, we're going to skip some obvious names that are kind of still in the cooker or or we feel like, you know, there's enough said about them. In the 2018 draft, those names are the people that we don't really need to get into, in my opinion. Luka Doncic, Trey Young, uh, neither one of those. I don't really think we need to bring too much about Michael Porter Jr. I think everything about him has been said. Um, and, and, and those three players really set themselves apart. But... As we go through, we watch the Phoenix Suns and their their revival. They are currently not just kind of fighting for a playoff spot, but at eleven and eight, they're they they've got uh, almost a game wiggle room between them and and the rest of the field to to, to relinquish that position. So I want to start with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I could not have been lower on DeAndre Ayton. And I know that obviously if you go, well, Ayton over Luca or Trey, you seem kind of stupid. But Justin itself, that team, DeAndre Ayton, what does he mean to Phoenix and this kind of revival we're seeing? They need him. They need him desperately because he gives them that presence in the paint. He's not a huge shot blocker. You know, he's only blocking about one shot a game. Yep. But they just need that presence because he's a great rebounder. I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming you've watched a little Phoenix this year because those are your babies. Yes. Um, he crashes the boards. Yep. He's averaging 13 boards a game this season, uh, and, and they need that. You know, they need especially the way their team is set up, where they they want to do a lot more shooting from the perimeter than they have in the past. Uh, having that big presence down there is really important. He's still only 22 years old. He's averaging 14 and 13. Um, so I, I think the arrows pointing up on Aiden. I don't. I don't know if I view him as a franchise cornerstone. I don't think he can be the number one on a championship team. But if he's your number two or number three like he is right now in Phoenix, I think you're pretty good. 
so you know I've, I've got him at starter and definitely star potential uh don't think he'll ever be you know the the cream of the crop though it, it seems like a guy that when you say hey we just don't need you to do a ton we just need you to do like one or two things in this game crash the boards get easy putbacks dunk these are things he can do when you start trying to run an offense through him and have him balance more than one responsibility I think you're seeing Chris Paul take a lot of that pressure off him. So the, I, I I agree. I think he's a good. He's just a. He's going to be a good, not rotational player, but if he's your starting center and you're not relying on him to win the game, you're relying on him to win in the margins. You're in a good spot. Um, I want right. his uh just one more thing on yeah. Aiden. His his efficiency, his volume has gone down now with Chris Paul, obviously because Chris Paul's running the show over yep. there. Uh, he's distributing the ball a little more evenly, but his efficiency's gone up. He's shooting four percentage points better from two point percentage, uh, and overall he's shooting three point or uh, three percentage points better than last year. Uh, so if Chris Paul can help him kind of grow and become that efficient guy, he could definitely be a factor for the Suns for a while. A team that's right now fighting, not just fighting for a playoff spot, but but firmly planted again, the Memphis Grizzlies, who. Just are a bunch of grit and grinders still. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., he's played in 115 games since he's been drafted. Uh, he doesn't have any, his stats really aren't there. I'm wondering if he's turning into, uh, he's shooting, you know, 38% from three uh, in his career. Is this, is, is Jaron Jackson Jr. turning into kind of a, uh, a real solid 3 and D player. Is this a guy who's going to be able to help teams? We know he's not going to be a superstar. He may never be an all-star. Jaron Jackson seems like he could be that Danny Green on a team, though. I think Jaron Jackson has the potential to be like a, a long-term a long-term starter. Uh, he's been hurt this year. Uh, we haven't, I don't think we've seen him yet this no. year, have we? Nope. Okay, yeah, so he's been hurt this year, and so we haven't gotten a chance to see him, but I think he was developing nicely. He's got a good shot on him, and if he can spread the floor for John Morant and those boys over there, they, they I think with him and John Morant, you have an interesting pairing where I wouldn't want to break them up for a couple years. I want to see how they grow together. But Jaron Jackson, the last time we saw him, he looked good, and so I, I like Jaron Jackson. I think that he has all-star potential, um, but – He's still got a ways to go from there. Yep, yeah, uh, he should be back on the court later this month. Uh, anybody out there in Dynasty Fantasy Leagues, take a look at him. Could be someone that can get you points. He's very young. He's in a good position now on the Grizzlies. Got a lot of young counterparts to grow it. Just someone to keep your eye on with Jaron Jackson. Um, I want to run through two more players on this 2018 draft that I think are developing. Uh, the first one, Colin Sexton. Uh, now, Colin Sexton, I was stupid high on coming out of uh, <laughs> coming out of college. And he essentially just didn't really appear. Now Cleveland is revitalized with Sexland. And uh, he kind of took it to the Nets single-handedly, which showed some superstar potential. I honestly think that he showed a little of that. uh, Him and Michael Porter both have this potential to offensively control a game. Um, And while he's young, what does the future hold for Colin Sexton? Man, hey, Colin Sexton looks good. Yeah, he looks good, and the numbers bear that out. Honestly, he's uh, he's posting a career high in offensive rating. Just to read you some of the advanced stats, uh, he's right now he's got the highest offensive rating of his career. Um, he also has the highest usage percentage of his career. So they're putting the ball in his hands a little more than they had in the past, and he's he 
making that or he's paying off their uh, their gamble on him yeah. because he's he's up across the board. He's at 24 points a game, four assists. Uh, he just looks more efficient from everywhere on the field. The eye test says he's improved. He's shooting 43.5% from three. If you're, if you're going to get elite three-point shooting from this guy who's already great at getting to the rim, then you have a real player. I think Sexton, I don't know if Sexton can be the best player on a championship team because he's 6'1". You know how I feel. You need that guy that's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, you know, like that guy needs to be your best player for the most part. Yep. But Colin Sexton is going to be, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's going to be in your living rooms, on your TVs, and he's making me watch Cleveland a little more than I planned on watching them because I actually do have him in Dynasty. And so I have uh, I've been paying attention to this rise in his, his level of play. All right. Um, I have one player that I want to talk about and one that I think is a little funny. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, okay? Philadelphia, pretty much when you look back at their last – you can look back their last five years, really if you want to focus on the last four. I don't think it'd be tough to find a professional sports team that was more mismanaged up until Houston Texans recently. Um, Mikael Bridges drafted by Philly. His mother worked for Philly. And then remember, like, four picks later, they traded him to the Phoenix Suns. Now, since then, since then, Mikael Bridges is a everyday starter. 19 games started. Uh, for for Phoenix this year, he, he started 56 his first year, 32 last year. He's becoming a starter more days than he's not, and this year he's a starter every single game he's played. This is a lockdown defender. He's turning into a, 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 just an unbelievable solid defensive player. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, while you may not see him on the stat sheet, uh, he's only really averaging, um, it looks like this year he's averaging 14 a game. He's got five rebounds, two assists. Shooting 50% from the uh, field. From uh, three-points, he's shooting 41. So this is another 3 and D guy that Philly would love to have. Every team would love to have. Um, and we're seeing him and and DeAndre Ayton form a young nucleus with Devin Booker. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Mikhail Bridges. I think Mikhail Bridges is the newest version of Trevor Ariza, basically. Mm. You know, he's that, okay. that long three that, you know, gives you the 3 and D. He makes the, you know, he takes the defensive assignment that's tough. You know, he, he just gets open and, and he'll give you that open shot if you set him up for it. He's not going to go get his own bucket too often, but if you set him up for it, you know, he's going to knock it down. And so he's the perfect pairing with Chris Paul, who's setting the table for everyone. You know, and he's one of the older guys. He's 24 now. He's about to be 25. Yep. And so I, I don't expect his uh, his level to increase too much more just because he's, he's already about to be 25. Uh, but it's just a, it's a reincarnation of Trevor Ariza. That's yep. what I see out there. That's a great comparison. Reincar- and look, Trevor Ariza is a starter on every team. You want him. That is a player you want. Phoenix really... Uh, CP3 has brought up the best in this young core. It's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. Um, and, I, and I'm going to bring up one more name that we're going to flip to 2019. But I'm very, very interested in how Phoenix grows after this year. Chris Paul really shone a light on how ta- how much talent they have when used to full to full potential. Um, so, so we're going to see how that can, continues going. I'm going to bring up one name last on this list for no real reason other than I think it's really funny. And I don't really know. I, I think I know why it's funny. Um, you know, Landry Shamit was drafted this year. 
Does, uh, okay. Doesn't Landry Shamit feel like he's like 45 and he's been in the league? For, I don't know why, but when I, I see... He's moved around a little bit. He's moved, so he's moved around kind of a lot. Um, Philly, Clippers, Brooklyn. Um, he's bouncing around. I just bring it up because I feel like I've seen Landry Shamit every year that there's been an NBA season. Uh, and, and he's brand new. Um, so I just thought it was a little funny. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought this guy's been in the league for a long time. He's just kind of got that look about him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a new player. I just thought it was funny. When I took a look and realized he was drafted that year, late, late, late in the draft, uh, it, it, it was funny. He's bounced around. All right, let's turn. I don't have too much Landry Shaman in me, but no. he's, uh, he's having a rough year. Yeah. A yeah. Very rough year. Yeah, he is. He's going to odd because he's probably getting more open looks than he's gotten in a while, but yeah, I don't know. It's not working for him in Brooklyn. No, it is not. Look, look, Brooklyn's got their own problems, and we're going to touch on them here in a minute. Let's. I just want a real quick look at uh, 2019. We'll take a quick skim through here, um, and I'm I'm going to bring up the the glaring thing. Zion Williamson has been a disappointment this year. I don't think there's any other way around it. Just a okay. disappointment. Uh, when you look at where the Pelicans are, when you look at the amount of games he's able to get out there and play, um, I'm not seeing any of that defensive ability we thought we might get with him. He's got a ridiculous frame. He's played 18 games. He started 18 games this year. He's he's averaging, it's just not 23 points a game, which is great. Seven rebounds, two assists, uh, shooting 58% from the field. Uh, 30% from three, 67 from a three, uh, free throw percentage. When you look at Zion, I mean, I'm not even hearing his name anymore, and that's partially because the Pelicans are falling apart, but I, I really think I want, like, way more from him than what I'm getting. Uh, am I wrong there? Am I, is it too uh, soon? It depends. I mean, what, what kind of numbers are you looking for from Zion? I understand what you say on the defensive end. Like, there, there's a lot to be desired on that end of the uh, on the yeah, I can't speak today apparently on that end of the floor but what kind of numbers are you looking for to be like yes this is what I wanted from Zion you know I think it's more and 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 as I looked at it I don't know if it's his numbers or the way when he's on the floor and you're watching him I just don't see the domination I don't see the the freak athleticism I, I you know I I think he's a, a little heavier, um, and I, I just I don't see the intensity or uh, the aura that I thought he would bring onto the court. So maybe it's not a numbers thing. It's the way he looks when they play. Um, and, you know, obviously it can be coaching or other things. I'm just not seeing any swagger. I'm just not seeing it from the Pelicans in general, and I thought he would bring them uh, up a level overall in terms of – uh, talent and performance, but they're seven and twelve this year, and, and they really don't look like they're going to have any shot at the play-in. So for me, I I don't know. When I look at Ja, when you watch Ja Morant play and you watch Zion Williamson play, the energy level and the intensity to me are night and day. Night and day. All right, so I've got a I've got two different things to say about that. Um... So the first game of the season, I was in attendance in Tampa when the Raptors played the Pelicans, right? Yep. And watching that game, it was the first time that I've ever gotten to see Zion play in person. 
And I, I can't tell you what his stat line was for that game, but what I can tell you is watching it, I didn't feel like I was watching a superstar, you know? Okay. I, it, it didn't feel that way. It, Brandon Ingram looked like the best player on that court to me, and it looked like it was easily Brandon Ingram. It didn't look like he had, like, a, a, a rival on the court. And so that kind of confused me because, like you, I expect Zion to dominate every game. Yeah. You know, that's that's just what I expect from Zion. But I, I think maybe he just got off to a slow start to the season because in the last 10 games, he's 25-7-3 on some decent efficiency. You know, I don't know what was up with him the first few games of the season, but the last few games, I think he's looked better. He looks like he's getting after it a little more out there. But I'm confused about the Pelicans, too. I don't really know why they suck so much. Yeah, and they and they do. Uh, and they just they just don't have it. Like, it's so weird. They've got, when you, you know, how many articles do we have to see about Brandon Ingram being a scoring machine, Zion Williamson being the next coming? And then you look at the team, and you're like, okay, so what are you doing? And they go, you know, honestly, we're not any better than we are on paper. Like, uh, we're worse than we are on paper. The sum of our parts equal less than our whole. And and I'm just trying to figure it out. It may be that, that it's just a toxic environment in New Orleans. That that wouldn't shock most of us. Um, but it's just a very interesting tidbit for me to look at and go, you know, from that draft, he averages more points than anyone per game, 22.9. But damn if they don't feel like the least impactful points that I've really seen. And I just expected an all-around um, better performance. You know what I think is a problem? A little bit. I think there's a little bit of a roster problem in New Orleans. Yeah. Because, you know, I know that they got Steven Adams because they needed that defensive presence in the paint. And to be fair, they are better when Steven Adams, they are better defensively, excuse me, when Steven Adams is out there protecting the paint because when he sits down, it's, it's a layup drill in yeah. New Orleans. But I also think that having Steven Adams just doesn't work if your players are going to be Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram because they both need to get to the rim, and Steven Adams can't shoot for shit. Yeah, so he just gets in the way. There's just a clogging problem, and so that's why, you know, at the beginning of the season, I said I would like for them to go chase a center that has a jumper even if he's not, you know, even if he's not an elite center. Uh, just someone who can stretch the floor. And so I think they, they still need that. You know, when you surround Zion and Ingram with Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball and and Steven Adams and like there's just not room to to get your shit going. You know what I mean? So I, I think that they need to change this roster to truly unlock Zion. But at the same time, I'm not that mad at 23 and eight from a six, seven second year power forward. Yeah. You know, if we I, just take his name out of it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not that mad at those. If stats. you took his name out, the stats look good. You're disappointed in the results, but uh, you know maybe that's what it is. We'll give that a little more time. Uh, other players from the 2019 draft that kind of checking in on Tyler Hero having a little bit of a down year in terms of I guess the panache around him from the playoffs, but uh, still a very young player. Uh, when we look at who's scoring the most points per game uh, from that 2019, what's funny is one, two, and three are actually one, two, and three. Uh, Zion Ja and RJ Barrett are all 1, 2, 3, 22.9, 18.1, in order. And then Tyler Hero jumps up to put that 14.2. Uh, but what I want to really look at was Chicago has Kobe White, who uh, I think is, I don't know, in my opinion, this is the, this is the swagger I want to see with players. 
Uh, right. I love the energy he brings. Thirteen point seven on the court. What are we seeing with Kobe? I really like Kobe White. He was one of the players before the season that I kind of highlighted, you know, to say that I, I'm going to keep my eyes on this guy this season. And so it's been a mixed bag. I'm not going to lie on the mic right now just because I like him. It's been yeah. it's been a little inconsistent from him. Some games he'll give you that 20 points, 6, 7 assists. Some games he's only going to give you 12, you know. I, I can't say that I've watched enough Bulls to be able to tell you if that's a coaching thing or if that's a him thing, but... Uh, I like Kobe White. I think in the right situation, he could be a perfect spark plug scorer. He's a big guard. You know, he's a 6'5 point guard. So, like, if he puts on a little weight, I, I just think Kobe White has a bright future ahead of him. But I don't think it's there yet. He's another one that we're going to have to check in on in another year because he, he's not there yet. He still needs to improve a lot in his consistency. Uh, but the jumper is shown to be there. I mean, he's shooting 36% from three, 87% from the line. So, I mean... As long as the jumper stays, I think the rest will come along with it. I just don't know if this year is that year. Anybody else in this draft you really want to take a look at? We have some interesting names. Rui Hachimura, who is uh, seventh overall right now in points from that draft. Uh, we have Cam Reddish all the way down at 13. Kevin Porter Jr. down at 14. Um, I don't know who the most dis. I think well, I think the most disappointing person from this draft so far. Uh, we'd probably have to take a look at uh, Jackson Hayes. Doesn't really look like um, he's going to be a, a scoring option uh, in Atlanta. But we'll see. They really, Atlanta really needs some defense, and so maybe we can develop that. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let this get some more simmer. Anybody else you want to talk about before we flip into the current NBA? Uh, no, I think it, just a quick shout-out to R.J. Barrett is necessary because, I mean, he's not – he didn't turn into a world beater in the yep. offseason, but he did improve across the board pretty much in every stat category. Uh, and he looks better. The eye test shows that he's gotten a little better over there for the Knicks. And, of course, in classic Tom Thibodeau fashion, he's playing more minutes, a lot more minutes <laughs> yeah. than he did last year. So, yep. And better <laughs> just defense. Just RJ Barrett. Yeah, he go, has taken a step forward. Go figure. Working under a, a coach that gets you playing time and coaches defense makes you a better player very weird strategy we'll see if it pays off um all right let's flip over to the nba and let's start with the uh, the west and we're going to highlight a couple teams here to start with the west we got to go to utah this was a fringe playoff team for both of us i think you might have had them out and what we're what we're looking at now is 15 and 5 firmly planted at the top doesn't really look like they're going anywhere. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. Yeah, I, I look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I look like an idiot because I definitely had them in that playoff tournament mix, you know, in that 7-8 yeah. range, maybe possibly missing. Uh, but they're shitting on me. <laughs> they're the best rebounding team in the league. Uh, they're, you know, they're a top 10 scoring team and they're a top three defensive team. So, I mean, across the board, you, you can give them praise wherever you feel like it, really. Um, they've been doing a great job this year. And I think it's been like a, you know, it's been a team effort. Uh, I don't think that we've, we've gotten anything crazy from Donovan Mitchell. Nope. We, we haven't gotten anything crazy from Rudy Gobert. You know, we've gotten solid contributions, but they're just playing well as a team. So, I mean, shouts to Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder. I mean... Shouts to him. Let's let's put it up there. Quinn Snyder, I think it for me. Quinn Snyder is the coach of the year. 
If you keep yeah, this up, gotta be driving that bus right now. If you're fighting for both LA teams for the first, you know, uh, Doc Rivers and him, those are my one two. Um, that's my and and you know what? Honestly, CP3 should get it. Uh, but <laughs> CP3 should get Coach of the Year for what the fuck he did to OKC and what the fuck he's doing in Philly. I mean, in Phoenix. But I think Quinn Snyder, if you at the end of the year, if the if this is how it finishes, Clippers one, Utah two, Lakers three, I think Quinn Snyder is coach of the year, especially for the way a lot of us attacked them and their team comp and how they weren't going to be able to get over that hump. What we are seeing is a team that's locked in defensively, brings it every single night, and can win in a multitude of ways. So uh, kudos to Utah to, to really being able to just take it to everyone. Um, giving up 106 points a game, scoring 113. It's almost a mirror match for what the Clippers are doing. So just just a great job by Utah and, and really unexpected. I had them as a middling team at the bottom. I, so this is out of the ordinary. Nice job by Utah. Yeah, they're dunking all over me. I got nothing to say. <laughs> and it hurts a little more because on top of the fact that I predicted the Jazz to be towards the bottom of the playoff picture – I just don't like the Jazz. Yeah, yeah. They're not fun. I just don't like them. Yeah. I don't like watching them. I just, I don't. And yeah. so they, I feel like they're dunking on me twice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. They're still not really fun to watch. They just execute really fucking well. So um, there is some rumor that Quinn Snyder could be the replacement for Coach K once he steps down. Uh, we'll see if he's going to give up his NBA gig for that. Uh, next team that really in the West is kind of surprising me. What do you do in Memphis here? <laughs> Nine and six Memphis because because Memphis has essentially missed two weeks of games. Um, they're seven games behind the Lakers, just for like a reference point. Seven. Seven games behind the Lakers. They're nine and six. They're in the four seed. We're talking about them because here they are. Uh, this is a young team that's turning it around, turning back kind of into the grit and grind Grizzlies. And this is this is one of the top five teams to watch on League Pass because John ja Morant is just spectacular. John Moran, man. I, I love John Moran. Yeah. I love John Moran when I saw Matt Murray State going crazy. I still love him today. Uh, you know, they have – have they? I don't think they've lost a game that John Moran's played this year. Hold on. Let me make sure that I'm not making that up. Yeah. And while you look that up, I mean, obviously the Memphis Cruises have a lot of games to make up. Like I said, they're seven behind some. They're, all, they're, they're, they're five behind a couple, which seems to be the average. And – that means down the stretch, they're going to have to play a lot more than everybody else to make this right. But they're all young. Like, this is a team that has the legs to do this. So how's John Morant look uh, in the games that he plays? All right, so John Morant, he's not perfect. The first two games of the season that he played, he did lose. Okay. Since then, they're five straight. There you go. Morant out on the floor. They're going to win 70 games then. No, um, they're, they're just a really competitive team. I do believe this is a Grizzlies team that will fade as we go. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I've really? watched All right. a little bit of Grizzlies lately just because I, I like John Morant. So I turn yeah. on my TV to watch him. Uh, but I don't think they're going away just because they're feisty. They don't have the, the, the big names, the superstar names other than Morant. But, I mean, Tyus Jones is giving them good minutes off the bench. Grayson Allen is giving them some good minutes. 
Dylan Brooks is giving them good minutes. It's just a, a big team effort right now, and they're missing their second-best player. Yeah. So I okay. feel like okay. whenever Jaron yeah. Jackson does come back, this team might be – I don't. I mean, obviously I'm not calling the Grizzlies to be a top-four seed, but I don't think they're going to go away either. Memphis here to stay. Marked it down. Date 2-2. Two, two. Leo calling for it. More Memphis, more Grizzlies. Uh, we flipped down this board a little bit. Uh, your Golden State Warriors, you had them in. They're in. They're in. And they're a little interesting, right? They're they're kind of uh, they, they they started off looking like shit. Yeah, they did. Somehow, just kind of righted the ship since then. I don't know if it's maybe more aggressive Curry or if maybe the team just needed some time to gel. But they, you know, they've been looking like a force lately. Maybe not a force. Let me not be dramatic. Yeah. But, you know, they've been looking like a respectable team that should be a playoff team, as I expected them to be. You know, La- you got Steph Curry, you got Draymond Green. You should be in the playoffs. Last ten games, they're five and five, which is about right. Yeah, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. That's where we're. That's kind of where we were. You know, um, I thought. You, you were heavy on them than me, um, and that's right where they're going to come out. It looks like they're going to, you know, I'll tell you what, though. How fucking fun would it be watching them in the playoff game? That's where we need to see them in the playoff series, that play-in game, play-in game. Um, that play-in series where the 7, 8, 9, 10 all play each other. I mean, right, right. now you'd be looking at Golden State, Portland, Houston, San Antonio, uh, just based on where their winning percentages are. Holy shit, would that be a lot of fun. So I, I'm I'm – I'm impressed. I love to see what's going on. Draymond doing a lot of teaching. Uh, and we're starting to see the Golden State Warriors get a little bit of an edge. They have kind of a fuck you attitude growing. Don't you think? There's yes. some like fuck and you that's growing. That's why I like watching There them. you go. I mean, I like what well, you can see. Steph is kind of like, oh, these, these guys don't think I got it. Right. You know? And Draymond, you know, Draymond's always being doubted. And so you can kind of, like you say, you can see that fuck you in them when they're out there playing. And I like that. If they could get, like, league average shooting from Kelly Oubre, I think that this team would have, like, two or three more wins right now. Mm. But yeah, they're a team to keep an eye on. I don't yeah. think they're definitely not going away. Like, I say Memphis, I don't think they're going away. Uh, I know that the Warriors aren't going away, if healthy. Yeah, if healthy. And that and that's, uh, to me, that's not a big, that's not the big stretch. Um, uh, it, the if, if is, like, if they're healthy, they're good. If they're wounded, uh, that's where I'm, I'm worried about them. Uh, but right now, Wiseman's coming along. They really just – he was uh, he was kind of like the definition of NBA clickbait. You're like, man, he's scoring a lot of points. And then when you dive through it, you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. They're just good offensive setups where he's just laying it up or dunking it. Um, I don't know if that will ebb and flow as people adjust in the regular season. Right now, Golden State is averaging one less – they're giving up one more point than they're scoring per game on average. Uh, but Golden State could be here to stay. Last team I really want to, well, two teams want to cover. Sorry, I'm going to skip ahead of myself. Houston, no Harden. All of a sudden, this team's playing defense, and they're fun as shit. Another great league pass team. The Houston Rockets are a fun team with Wall, Oladipo, and Boogie looks. Boogie looks, you know, he's dancing. He looks, he's dancing. So, Houston, fun team, 10 and 9. Would love to see them in a play-in game. Uh, they're starting to play defense. They're playing better. Is this sustainable? Can Houston, and look, it's John Wall, Oladipo, Cousins. It's the injured crew. Can they stay healthy? If they stay healthy, are they a playoff team? All right, so I don't know if they can stay healthy because, as you said, this is the injured crew. 
the Oladipo, Wall, and Cousins, they're among the league leaders in, in games missed due to injury over the last couple years. So will they all stay healthy long enough to make a run? I have no idea. What I know that is that uh, they're, they've won six straight. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. And like you say, they're just fun to watch. Um, you, you didn't mention Christian Wood, but Christian no. Wood has been out there giving them great contributions definitely worth their investment in the offseason he's only 25 years old he's given them 23 points 11 rebounds a game Jesus. Uh, that's fucking amazing that's amazing <laughs> to begin that from a 25 year old that you just signed uh so yeah I, I like the rockets i don't see why it's not sustainable really it's health health is gonna be the uh, the entire conversation here with the rockets if they can keep oladipo on the floor if they can keep john wall on the floor the rockets are a top 10 defensive team right now i don't know if you know that but yes. when was the last time you could call the rockets a top 10 defense uh never really and i think it, it coincides greatly with how bad the nets are which we'll talk about in a second defensively but when you go, oh, man, Houston's playing. They look, you know, you still have Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker. You still have those good defenders. You add in John Wall, who, you know, we don't really know what you're getting with John Wall, truthfully. And then Oladipo in the rotation, Cousins in the rotation, then with Wood. You know, they're deep. They're athletic. If they stay healthy, this is this is going to be a super fun fucking team in the play-in. Yeah, they're going to be one of those teams that you don't really want to play because everyone on their team, suddenly, now everyone on their team has a little attitude. Yep. You, we already know what it is with John Wall. Yeah, Oladipo yeah. looks like he feels slighted and wants that contract this offseason. We already know how Boogie feels about everything. Like I, I like that attitude, as I've said over and over and over again. And they definitely have an opportunity. The, the opportunity's there. The chip-on-the-shoulder team of the year is the Houston Rockets right now. Oh, and I love it. I didn't think I would like them after Harden left, but now they're more fun. Now they're fun. They're fun. They're fun. They play team basketball, too. Oh, man. All right, so we, we, do we have a prediction? Do the Rockets make the playoffs? The How Rockets... The Rockets, here's my problem with it. I think that, uh, and this next team will, will bleed into this. I don't see the Clippers. I just don't see Utah going away either. And when I go Clippers, Utah, Lakers, okay, they're all stuck. So there's three. I think Phoenix is, is where they're at. I think Phoenix is going to make the playoffs. Denver's going to make the playoffs. So you basically, and this is the fun part, basically in the, end, in the West, Memphis, Golden State, Portland, Houston, San Antonio, and this other mystery team, which we'll talk about in just a second, are all going to be vying for that playoff spot. All of them. They're, those teams should all fit in, minus one, into these last play-in buckets. And I think Houston's going to be a play-in team. Actually, I'll lock that in. Houston will be a play-in team. And I don't know if they win that series. It's going to be dependent on matchup. But tell me what would be more fun than getting Houston versus Golden State in the first round and then oh, play it. That would be amazing. I, I would love to watch that game. You know, I'm looking at Houston's schedule right now since we're talking about them. And, you know, maybe we need to temper our excitement yeah. just a little bit uh, because in this five-game winning streak, they've beaten the Thunder, the Pelicans, the Wizards, the Pistons. They did get a good win against the Mavericks, but even the Mavericks don't look that great right now. And that's who we're going to talk about next. Right. The Trailblazers are probably their best win in that little stretch. Uh, but 
that's the way you make the playoffs in the NBA. The yes. Spurs made a, a, a fucking dynasty off that. Beat the bad teams, compete with the good ones, and things will shake out. And that's and where so we're at. I, yeah, I like the Rockets. I'm going to predict that they're in the play-in game. And I'm going to go a step further and say they're in the playoff game against, uh, they're in the play-in game against Golden State. Uh, let's flip to the last team in this division that I want to talk about. Preseason, Luka Doncic was the favorite for the MVP. We went on this pod and we told you all the reasons not to take Luka. Some of them were very obvious. It's going to be tough for this team to finish in the top half of the West. It was just going to be tough. It was going to be tough for this team to get healthy. In a COVID year with a lot of uncertainty and a very young player leading your team, how are you going to navigate those things? These were all the cases we brought up. Since that pod, all three of those things have not just become true, but they're like, if you were to say how it would take another, it would take a half of a season just to get them to where he would need to be to be in the MVP conversation. And that's if they started on fire tonight. So the Dallas Mavericks are 8-13, and 13, looking up, just decimated by injuries, players starting to come back. Do you think that the Dallas Mavericks can make a push into, uh, really, who do you think that they're going to be able to outperform down the stretch to even get a shot at the playoffs? Injuries, you know, be tough. It's, it's tough. Be tough. Well, I don't want to count Dallas out because they have two probably top twenty-five players in in Luca and KP. And anytime you have two top twenty-five, top thirty type guys, I am not going to count them out. You know, like I, I, they can definitely still pass the Thunder, the Kings, the Spurs, yep. and those teams to get into playoff range. But it's not going to be easy, man. And they don't look great. They've lost six straight. Their defense looks fucking horrible. Yeah. Uh, Luca, Luca, I feel like looks like Luca now. You know, he he looks. He's giving you about the same efficiency as he gave you last year. He's giving you uh, about one more minute a game. Scoring's about the same. His numbers are really about the same if you look at him. Uh, the team around him isn't doing as much as they were doing last year. I don't know if that has to do with coaching or, you know, the roster's not that different. They're probably be missing Seth Curry and his three-point shooting a little more. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Mavericks. They just can't defend. No, they can't defend at all. And I don't really know if that gets better. And here's who's coming up for them. If they're going to turn it around, it's got to be soon. But here's who they play. It's Atlanta, Golden State, Golden State, Minnesota, Atlanta, New Orleans, Portland. I don't want to say your season's defined in your next mm, eight games, but if they go three and five during that stretch, that means they probably dropped more than a couple to Atlanta. Or they probably dropped a couple to Atlanta or Golden State and Portland. And and with Golden State, Portland, and even New Orleans in there, you can't you can't have this separation between you and these other teams you're fighting with. Like they can't, they at some point you've got to start winning these games. You already lost back to back games. You just lost back to back games against Phoenix. You lost to Utah in back to back games. You're just losing games to all the teams you need to beat. And, and and obviously the NBA hasn't published their second half schedule. But as they go to close their second half, 
They're going to have to go Boston, Philly, Brooklyn. Then they get some easy points with Orlando and OKC. Um, or easier. But it, this is a tough schedule for them, and it's not getting easier. And we could be at the halfway point where they're 10 games under 500. And, and we are going, what the fuck happened here? The Porzingis thing could be looked at as completely toxic uh, in terms of what they got back for him. I don't know. I, I, I think that Dallas with Luka, I'm just looking at this schedule going, okay, who do you beat out? I do not believe that the Dallas Mavericks are going to finish in the top eight pre-play-in game in the NBA season. That's where I'm at with them right now. I can't even be mad at that. Like you say, these next maybe eight, nine games are going to be very big for their season. Uh, it looks like they're going to be home from February 4th all the way until February 19th is their first away game. Yep. Uh, so you've got two weeks at home. You've got a, a few games against Minnesota, New Orleans, Detroit. Uh, you got to at least split with Golden State and Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, they, this is their chance to get right. You know, with with eight or nine games at home here for two weeks, you get to spend two weeks at home. You need some W's. You need some W's because if, like you say, if they come out of this eight nine game stretch at three and six or you know four and five, that's that's not good for them. They're not gaining any ground. If anything, they're just falling back further. And yeah, I don't know how big of a hole they can climb out of. KP and, and Luca would really have to go on a legendary run. And it's going to be, here's the problem, okay? You're in the West, you go, okay, KP. You know, okay, Luca, KP, let's take it to him. Okay, who, here are your other twos you're dealing with. Like, okay, well, it's Steph Curry, you know. Steph Curry and I guess you're going to say Wiggins maybe? <laughs> you know, it's like there's two scoring option. Um, in Phoenix, it's CP3 and Devin Booker. In Denver, it's Michael Porter, who's been out. Jokic, Murray. Uh, Memphis is your best bet, taking on Ja. Lakers aren't going anywhere. Utah ain't going anywhere. Clippers aren't going anywhere. So it's kind of a, we stress the importance of starting out early because you don't know what's going to happen going down the stretch. And and Dallas has kind of squandered that opening. So we'll see. It's going to be tough for them to crawl back into this. They just don't have the depth. Uh, let's flip over to the East now and, and do a quick buzz through. I think the East is mostly doing what we expected it to do, minus a couple things. Let's talk about the disappointments over here first. Miami is 7-13. and 13. Eesh, your boys. My boys. And, and it's just in time for me to Fairweather fan back onto my first boys and the 76ers, which I've already done. Um, yeah, no, this is the perfect time. Go ahead and jump back on that. I am, I'm going to flip between these two wagons. Um, at all times. Uh, and, you know, we got receipts to back it up, so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, emotionally, Philadelphia drives me up a wall. Um, Miami, 7-13, riddled with COVID injuries. Jimmy Butler just coming back. What are you expecting from them? Can they, can they pull this together and overtake? And here are the teams they need to be fighting out for. Indiana, Atlanta, Cleveland, Charlotte. In my opinion, all four of those teams are up for grabs here. Uh, especially with Indiana moving on from Oladipo. I think in the long term, that's better for them. In the short term, eh, not so much. So Miami is behind them. Any chance Miami is going to be able to work themselves back into this? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, in the East, I think that nothing is impossible. <laughs> yeah. As bad as they've been, they are, let me see, uh, two losses out of the A seed right yep. now. Yep, yep. 
their two losses out. So, yeah, no, I'm not counting them out, especially when Jimmy's missed so much time. Jimmy, Bam, uh, uh, Goran Dragic, they've all missed time. Hero missed a couple games, although he's back. Once they have the full band back together and rocking, if they're still taking losses at that point, then yes, I'm concerned. But right now, I haven't hit the panic button yet on Miami. But very close. They are in a different position than Dallas because I feel like their conference is weaker. Yep. And so they have a little more wiggle room. They also need to start stacking some W's though, because yeah. the Hornets look like they're figuring some things out over there. The Hawks look like they are at least going to tread water, which is good enough in the East. And so they need to figure some things out quick because they can't f- afford to fall behind too much. They're they're not an elite scoring team, so unless nope. they're going to start putting the absolute clamps on everyone, uh, they need to get some easy wins soon. Cleveland, for me, is the easy candidate to drop out. But with that being said, Miami's not the only team that's kind of underperforming. Uh, the Toronto Raptors... Uh, you know, you you went and watched them play, right? They're in they're in Florida. This weird year could just collapse them. You know, they're not playing at home. They're playing down, you know, down by you. They're you know they're kind of separated from their families. They're separated from a lot of routines. Uh, and this team, you know, Siakam, their young players seem to have hit a bit of a wall. Uh, and I don't want to say there's a there's still that NBA hangover from the title, but. I don't know if Toronto's going to... You know, first, I don't know if they have the caliber players to pull themselves up and be a contender, obviously. But I don't even know if they're going to make it into the top half of the East. It's not like they're dealing with the same injury bugs that everyone else is. They just seem to be... I don't know. Is coming back down to earth the correct like way to talk about them when you, when you trot out Lowry, Van Fleet... You're like, these are good players, but they don't help everyone else in a way um, that makes a, a, a really solid, solid team. Like, they're missing that superstar that all these these linchpins can kind of bundle together to make uh, a better team. I think this is a team that, without that superstar in the middle of it, really doesn't offer you much. Yeah, they just they're just average. You yeah. know, the Raptors, they don't do anything extremely well this year. They're just kind of middle of the pack. They're just they're just a whatever team, you know. They're just out there playing basketball because we need to fill the schedule. That's what it feels like yes. this season. That's what I mean. Yep. And I don't I think that they might be hurting a lot from the losses of Ibaka and Gasol because I mean that was that was the core of your interior defense. Yes. And they could spread the floor a little bit. Both Ibaka and Gasol could step out, give you a mid range jumper, they could step out, give you a three pointer, you know. So although they're not world beaters on offense, they still contributed. Mark Gasol did a lot of playmaking. Um, he's a great passer, even though he doesn't score that much anymore. Uh, but I think it's just a combination of missing the pieces and just kind of missing some of that edge. I think last year they had more pieces and they had the championship edge. You know, they had that Kawhi's gone, but fuck you, we're still the champions. You yeah, know, we're still going to come out here and fight. But this season, is it's not that, and they're missing some of the pieces that made them elite in the first place and i think it's just kind of all coming back down to earth i don't expect to see them surge nope no do i um so let's flip up into the top half now well i'm gonna i'm gonna r.i.p my wizard so we're done with them let's uh (laughs) that was so stupid um (laughs) but let's flip to the main main (laughs) main talking point what a disaster uh and, and the team that just beat this team the washington wizards just beat the brooklyn nets 
I had said that the Nets would give up 150 in a loss this year. They just gave up 149. I'm going to check that bucket off. I'm going to say I hit that. And here's the thing. I think it could get worse. Um, it is no coincidence that Houston now can play defense and Harden's not on that team. Looking at this trade, we're short into it. I'm going to label it. And I, I, this is probably going to blow up in my face. I don't think they're a better team than they were. I don't think that they had any problems scoring the basketball. I think if you're the Nets right now, you are terribly worried about this defense because it doesn't look like you have a single person on your team that even like would attempt to spell it. How do you view the Nets are obviously still going to be one of the top teams in the East, but you're giving up on average 117 points in a game. That's a lot, and it's it, it's it's skyrocketing with Harden. It was a lower number, and it's going up dramatically since Harden took over. What do you make of the Nets? Is this gonna? Is this how it is? Is this just a team that they're kind of they kind of now you negate your offensive power because of how bad your defense is? If the Wizards are scoring 149 on you, there are fucking problems. Yeah, I think that with the Nets. Honestly, I said it right after the trade happened, and my opinion is the exact same right now. There is no reason. Well, all right, if you had to make the deal, then I get it. But they should have done everything within their power to keep Jared Allen on that team. Uh, and that's just because I don't think it's coincidence that you're seeing Cleveland get a little better with Jared Allen, and you're seeing the Nets get a little worse yes. without Jared Allen. He's not a world beater. He's not a superstar. You know, For the casual fan listening to this, they're probably listening like, what, are you talking about Jared Allen? But Jared Allen gave them 10 rebounds a game. He gave them two blocks a game. And more important than both of those things, he gave them a lot of effort. A lot. A lot of effort. He had that high motor. He was attacking the rim. If someone was driving to the rim to try and get a layup, Jared Allen was going to be there. You might dunk on him. You might score. But he's going to be there. <laughs> it's also not going to deter him. Right. No matter what happens in that possession. Do you know who's going to be back up on his feet? Allen. And I really think that this team is missing that. You know, when Harden was in Houston, they surrounded him with almost solely people that played defense until they started getting desperate and added Westbrook. But Harden has no interest in playing defense. Kyrie doesn't have any interest in playing defense. And Kevin Durant coming off his multiple injuries probably isn't looking in the mirror going, and today I'm playing 38 hard minutes. I... I think that this team's got a bit of an identity crisis. And I don't know where you fix it. DeAndre Jordan cannot be a starter. He cannot be on that court. He was perfectly fine behind Allen. But he right, gets that, that abused. Was the part of this that I, I know that DeAndre's the homie and they had to keep the homie on the team. I get it. There's politics. But Jared Allen is almost the exact same player that, uh, that James Harden had in Clint Capella when they were super successful together over there. And I don't get why, if you're the Nets, you wouldn't want to hold on to Jared Allen. I would have given up anything but Allen. I think Allen's the piece they're missing. So the question becomes, Houston's got to go make a few trades and get some big men. They also have to get the right Brooklyn, big... Brooklyn, Brooklyn, not Brooklyn, Brooklyn, not Houston. Brooklyn has to get somebody to guard the middle because it's just too easy now. The thing is, you, you I mean, who's your fucking... Peri- what the fuck are you doing if you have KD, Kyrie, and um, and Harden? 
who's guarding any like where are you putting any of them where defensively like you would you could hide Harden you could hide Kyrie you can't hide two players you definitely can't hide three what do you do here like I'm, I'm generally curious what are the Nets going to do or the Nets are going to be the team that go into the second round and get bounced by someone like the Celtics who just X's and O you to absolute death and slow a couple of your possessions down they here's nothing that the Nets really can't do fucking rebound I mean what are they they don't get any extra possessions they well, yeah, can't they traded their best rebounder they, they can't do anything now. So I'm really worried that what the Nets did was looked on paper and said, holy shit, this is delicious. And they took a bite of the sandwich and they said, well, this, this is just, there's no meat. This is all just, you know, the fluff of everything, which we already had. I, I think there's a case to be made. It's early and they still have to gel. But there's, there's a growing case to be made. The Nets traded away a better team than what they have now. Yeah, if I'm the Nets, I'm looking to get someone that can protect the rim for me that's not going to cost me an arm and a leg. I think that that's their key to success because if they can get some rim protection, their offense is going to be so ridiculous that even just slightly below average defense is probably going to be enough for them to dominate. Uh, If I'm them, I I try to go out and get maybe a Miles Turner. Miles Turner can't be that expensive from Indiana. He's leading the league in blocks right now. Uh, I, I might try to buy low on Miles Turner. I might try to get someone like a, I don't know, maybe Nerlens Noel from uh, from New York. You know, the Knicks can't be holding on to him too tight. Uh, I would just go out and get someone who's not going to cost me an arm and a leg who will be at the rim when I need him to be at the rim. Yeah, and look, the Nets are going to be a, a great team. It's just when you look they at need one more move. They need, at, I think they need at least, and it's got to be a good move. They you can't. They can't guard the middle. They can't go. They can't guard anything right now. They can't guard anything. But and that's fine because they can't be guarded. But you got to be able to close the gap then on rebounding. If you're not going to rebound, you're a couple bad nights away from just self elimination. Because if you can't stop anybody and you ain't getting rebounds, it's the NBA. There are these are the best athletes in the world. If you don't guard them, they're going to look really fucking good. And this is, this is two games recently, one with Colin Sexton, one with fucking Russell Westbrook, where they're letting these guys just absolutely walk all over. Bradley Beal obviously had a huge point to play, but, but the, you know, Russell hitting a three-pointer over you because you can't get a guy on him is fucking disgusting. Um, last team I want to talk about in the, the East, and then, and then we'll wrap up with every thought you have. Our MVP looks good! Hey, Joel Embiid, let's go. Joel Embiid at 25-1. to 1. We gave him out. I don't know what it is. MVPs. Something more on the MVP. Uh, you know, Lamar last year. Aaron Rodgers this year. Embiid now in the NBA. We're hitting these. And the, these are long shots. It's obviously not over. But the 76ers did just beat the Lakers in a one-on-one matchup. These narratives matter. These narratives matter. They are the one seed in the East, and they're the one seed by two and a half games. If they, and they still have moves they can make to make themselves better. If this team can push themselves into the one seed, and Embiid looks like, and Embiid looks mean. If they do this, he looks like that guy looks pissed off. And Doc Rivers, a player coach, bringing it out of him. Go fucking figure. God, the team wasted so much time. Um, but when you look at this team. Two and a half games up on on Milwaukee. 
they there isn't a team in the NBA they can't beat on a given night. You know, they just beat the Lakers. We look good, man, and the 76ers look fucking good. Yeah, they do. I was listening to what's the podcast name? Real ones with Ryan real ones. Yeah, which is a great podcast. The insights yeah. there are incredible. I love it. So I'm listening to them the other day, and Raja brings up a, a pretty good stat that uh, I'm probably going to butcher it here and repeating it, but he says something to the effect of over the last like six, seven, eight years, or maybe ten years, every team that's won the championship has been a top ten defense and a top ten offense. Yep. Philly, Philly is in that mold right now. Yep. They're in top ten in scoring, they're in the top ten in defense. They have an MVP candidate. They were my preseason prediction to win the championship. Uh, they're they're an elite rebounding team. They're pretty much good across the board right now, and uh, and I think that they are going to be a, a good bet as long as they stay in that one two seed. We're going to have a shot with Embiid for MVP as long as he's out there. Um, I don't really know if it's if it's Doc Rivers that transformed Joel Embiid. I, I don't really know what, what's going on with that. Like why is he why does he have it every night all of a sudden? Uh, but I did hear in the offseason that he had a baby and that, you know, having a baby kind of changes perspective. And that's not the first time I've heard that yeah. from people with children. So maybe having a baby kind of tightened him up a little bit. You know, now he's looking at his little son thinking, nah, I, I got to have champion next to my name. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think that really it helps when it. So having a kid brings accountability, you know, unless you're future. But, uh, you know, most of these guys go into it and. Uh, I think it can add a little mental aspect, but I'll tell you what, none of it really matters if you don't feel that way. And when you add someone in like Doc Rivers, who has so much pedigree and is able to come to the table and go, look, enough, okay? You can't be out of shape. Stop eating fucking milkshakes. You have to dominate. You want to die? I saw how emotional you got. I really think that Doc Rivers provides that mentorship that a lot of players need to get over that hump, these young players, where you go, guys, put your heads together. None of that was none of that is acceptable. I don't know why that was allowed before, but it's not acceptable. And I think he's added that accountability for Embiid, and we're immediately seeing that. He is crushing. We would not be here with Brett Brown, period, period. No. Nah. No, I was. I think I was one of the founders of the yes. Get Brett Brown the Fuck Up Out of There Club. And we're seeing it immediately. I think that Philly's here to stay. They're going to be a tough fucking team to deal with in the playoffs. And when you look right now, look across the the East. Who who has the body to stop Embiid? Who is possibly stopping Embiid in the paint? Nobody. And mm -hmm. Philly, I mean, uh, Brooklyn should have been a little more farsighted when they were making that trade because they're going to need a body. <laughs> if they go against Joel Embiid. And I liked Jared Allen's chances a lot better than I liked DeAndre Jordan's. Brooklyn has to look over at Philly and go, Philly is full of wing defenders. <laughs> full to the brim. And they've got Embiid holding the middle down. Ugh. In, the Philadelphia 76ers are everything that the Brooklyn Nets are not. I think there would be a matchup nightmare. I mean, for Embiid in the paint, Who's going to stop him from getting 25? Like, we could see those crazy Wilt Chamberlain um, uh, games where you're like, what did you do today? And he goes, well, it was 44 points, 24 rebounds, four assists, and seven blocks. And you're like, right, Jesus. Like prime Shaq. Shit. Prime Shaq. That's what you're going to see. 
Who's going to stop him? Milwaukee. Brooke Lopez is going to stop him? No. Boston. Who is it? Tice? Like, who's in the middle in Boston? Like, Indiana, Atlanta, Cleveland, Charlotte, Chicago. You, there isn't a there isn't a all star big in the in the East. Philly is set up to run, and here's the thing: what if what if they land Bradley Beal in a Simmons swap? Holy fuck! At that point, I might like them over Brooklyn. At that point, it's just I might like them over Brooklyn right now. Right now, right now, I think it's a toss up because. When you look at it, I can at least throw people at Durant, Kyrie, and Harden. And am I going to stop them? No. Right? But I might be able to slow them down occasionally during the game. What are you going to do? Embiid doesn't even have to work hard. Yeah, man. I've got some numbers to read for you here. Go for it. Uh, So Embiid this season is... I'm just comparing it to last season. I'll compare it to last season. So his field goal attempts are up under Doc Rivers. His field goal percentage is seven points better. That's significant in basketball. Seven seven percentage points better. He's a lot more efficient. He's a lot more efficient from three on a lower volume. He should have been shooting less threes to begin with. I don't know why Brett Brown was trying to make him into Reggie Miller. Ah. Uh, he's averaging 11 free throw attempts per game compared to eight and a half last year. He's just more aggressive. He's taking more of the right shots. And the eye test bears all that out. I mean, if you watch Philly play, you're watching him beat and going, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. This right here is what I wanted from year one. Yes. It took until year five, but this is what I wanted from the jump. Yeah, and I just think it's going to be tough. I just think, if barring injury, that team is just going to be uh, hammering the shit out of people. Um, let's take a look real quick. I want to go through these MVP odds uh, because there is still, honestly, there's some fuckery afoot. Um, LeBron James is plus 350, okay? So the narrative we have to fight against at this point going forward is that LeBron really should have... So here's a funny thing. Everyone's looking at Giannis last year going, ah, we should have just given that to LeBron. We should have just given that to LeBron. We, we, we overthought this. We gave it to Giannis. It should have just gone to LeBron. Now we're looking at it going, yeah, God do we not give LeBron another? Is it going to be nine years between his MVPs and then that span he's going to run three rings? Like, as a voter, as someone who, who would want to uphold the NBA's, um, uh, you know, value and, and, and how it appears to others, you, you go nine years without giving LeBron an MVP when you unequivocally determine that LeBron's uh, the second or first best basketball player of all time make you, make, makes you all look dumb. It makes everyone who votes for that look fucking stupid. So the narrative we're up against is all these voters wanting to bail themselves out. Because to me, when I read through these lists, number one, LeBron James, plus 350. Kevin Durant at 500. Kevin Durant at 500 is absolutely fool's, absolutely fool's money. There are three other stars on that team. There's no way he gets this award. Joel Embiid is five and a half, down from twenty-five and a half where we got him. Luka Doncic is still smartening up, huh? Huh? I said people are starting to smarten up on Embiid, huh? Quickly, Luka's still plus five fifty. That to me is just whoever wants to hand me free money, just hand it to me. I'll take your Luka bet right now. I would have taken it at the beginning of the year when he was three to one. I'll take it now too. Uh, then number three, rounding out this list is. The Joker, he's doing great. He has no fucking shot. 
Right now, there are four people, in my opinion, that have an honest to God. Oh, no, three people that have an honest to God shot: LeBron, uh, Joel Embiid, and if if he can carry his team all the way up into into the top half, Steph Curry. That's really it for me. Um, Giannis will never get another MVP ever. Luca, yeah, I don't see it for him. Eight, they have eight wins, and Luca's five and a half to one. They're just trying to steal your money. Really, you got to put your money right now. Honestly, like I have a Joel Embiid bet. I'm going to be hedging it hard with LeBron James at three and a half. In another quarter of this season, there's only going to be two names at the top. In a quarter of the season, so go another another quarter out when they have to redo the schedule. LeBron James at that point will be two to one, and Embiid will be two and a half to one, and that's where it's going to be. And in, in another quarter poll, that's where it's going to be. And then everyone else is going to be eliminated. They're not even going to worry about where everyone else lands. That'll be right it. Right now, I think that the top three is Embiid. Actually, in order, right now, if I'm being completely honest, it's probably LeBron James, Embiid, and Jokic in that order. Yeah. And that's because LeBron is always going to have the hype machine behind him. And the numbers back up the hype machine. So... If you're going to hedge your bet, I would definitely think that LeBron James is the best candidate because Jokic could do whatever the fuck he wants over there. He's not winning MVP. <laughs> nope, no chance. I really, like I said, it's a two-horse race for me. If you want to give me Steph Curry at 10-1, to 1, like, I'm not going to eliminate him yet. But like we've already said, this is a two-horse race, period, and we're down to LeBron and Embiid. We're a quarter of the way in. We need another quarter from now. If the Mavericks go on a huge run, you could see Luka start to appear. But Luka's odds are already worse, and I find it very hard to believe that you didn't like Luka before the season but would possibly like him now. So that is a fool's bet, in my opinion. Go entirely Embiid. Go entirely LeBron James before it's too late because in another quarter poll, the only two that are going to have an opportunity. And remember, the NBA at this quarter poll, so we're through a half. The second half of the NBA season has not been laid out. We don't know how many games they're going to play. We really don't. Some of these teams like Memphis have seven games to make up. How in the fuck are you going to fit seven games in? So Yeah, I don't know. I think that the, that little pause that they put in the schedule is probably going to be used to make up a bunch of games before they release the new part of the schedule. You know, They're probably going to have like a week or two where it's like make-up week, if I had to guess. It's still going to be a nightmare then to finish your season. So I think that they're going to say, at the halfway point, they're going to evaluate. They're going to say, hey, we're throwing wins and losses out the window. We're going strictly by winning percentage. And after that happens, you will see, A, it's not about the games. It's about, you know, winning and losing. So if you play 10 games and you go 7-3, and you're going to be better off. Um, And and so I think that big cutting work. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe we're at the quarter pole. I believe we're at like the one-third pole. We are. It's about a third of the way through the season, minus a couple games. And you're going to keep losing. So the quarter pole was a couple days ago. But you're going to keep losing these games. Some teams are not even at the quarter pole yet. With this variance, like we said, going to be weird. Your wins earlier are going to be more than your wins later. The NBA is not going to get all these games in. They're going to have to figure something out at the end of the season Maybe a larger play-in. See, they're already structured for a larger play-in. So 
they're kind of going to go with that method and say if we lose fucking 15, 20 games throughout the season, fuck it. That's my last thought. What do you got before we get out of here? Uh, I don't really have too much on the NBA. Uh, last night, I, I don't know if you saw, but LeBron James got into it with a fan. I'm sure you've seen by now. Oh, yeah. You know, in the moment, I was watching the game live because, you know, it's my team versus Trey Young, who's one of my favorite young players. And in the moment, it kind of felt like it was going to be one of those things that was going to be all over the news. But I didn't expect <laughs> I didn't expect what we've seen so far. They've been killing that girl online. <laughs> Oh my God, she's getting dragged. Well, that's because you know, I I won't comment. I don't want to lose my job. But um, right, right, good call. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's wrap it up. Friday we were gonna have a Super Bowl extravaganza. I'm gonna give everyone a little hint. Tampa Bay's gonna win the Super Bowl. Um, we're gonna do a little Super Bowl extravaganza. We're gonna run everything through, and I'll explain why I think Tampa's gonna win this game. So you find me, pick and play 37. You find Leo, pick and scroll. Remember, rate, subscribe, review. We're glad to get back into this. This felt great. Stay safe out there. Pandemic, vaccine, just a little longer. We can all get through this. Take care.